Welcome to the Injury Law Pod, the podcast that explores and demystifies the complex world of personal injury law. Each week, Missouri personal injury attorney Eric Bartlett dives into the legal issues surrounding personal injury cases to help you understand your rights and options when seeking justice and compensation for personal injuries. Join Eric as he shares his experience in real-life case studies, interviews guests, and answers your questions about personal injury law. The information Eric shares will help level the playing field if you have a personal injury claim. So sit back, relax, and let's explore the world of personal injury law together. Welcome back to another episode of the Injury Law Pod. I am your host, Eric Bartlett, 27-year personal injury lawyer, and here we are working to simplify and demystify the personal injury world. So if you've had a claim or have a claim of some sort, hopefully you find this podcast and it helps you. And unfortunately, I ran out of contacts. I had to wear my glasses. So if you're watching this online, you're going to have a glare sometimes on my glasses. But this is how it goes. And uh, I'm sure we'll make it through. So we've covered in previous episodes, um, we're doing the anatomy of a car accident injury claim. We've covered before the accident ever happens. Maybe you find yourself coming across this podcast by happenstance and you're able to take a look, find out everything you should be doing just in case you're ever in some kind of an accident. Again, if you're on the roadways, unfortunately, there's a high likelihood at some point in your lifetime, you're going to find yourself in an accident. Uh, then we talked about the accident itself, things to know and and keep in mind and act on when that happens. Just after the accident, what needs to happen to make sure that if you are injured, and you're going to have a claim against another driver that everything is being uh, done to preserve evidence and not make any missteps on the claims process. And now on this episode, we're going to talk about the insurance claims process itself. So on the last episode, talked about when you make your contact with the auto insurance company, you are in the danger zone. And I can't emphasize that enough. And so in this episode, everything we're dealing with, everything we're talking about is absolutely in the danger zone. You are right now dealing with the insurance company, trying to uh, get some kind of resolution to your injury claim, and you can make many missteps and you can dramatically affect the value of your claim at any given moment. So you're in the danger zone. You need to be careful. And I'd already warned you when you dealt with them initially, you don't give them a recorded statement because they're going to use that against you at some point. There's no question. 
you know, it might be a situation where everything absolutely points to the other driver's fault. And yet they asked you some questions about your speed, your distance from the other driver, the other driver's speed, things that you may or may not have seen. And if they recorded that, they're going to bring it back up at a time when it's most beneficial to them to point out that you could have done something different to avoid this accident. You have fault in this accident. So just like that moment in time, when again, I hope you didn't give them a recorded statement, you could at this very point when you're working with them to settle your claim, there's a chance you could provide them information that would allow them to argue for a reduction in the value of your claim. So when is it that you arrive at a point that you can talk to the insurance company about settling your claim? Usually it's one of two scenarios. Either you've gotten to a point where you're done getting medical treatment, you're done missing work, you're done with the consequences of this accident and the injuries you sustained. And I guess the question is, right, like, when is that? Well, my advice is always going to be you don't rush it because if you do settle and once you settle, you're done. You're never going back to the insurance, uh, uh, the insurance company again for money out of this accident. So you don't want to jump before you know what's at the bottom. So make sure you're taking your time. You know that you're done with medical treatment. You know that you're done missing work. You know that you're out of pain. And you know that something's not going to come back up. Now, maybe that's not your situation. Maybe you've got some kind of a permanent injury. And you're now months, maybe years down the road, and you are still having issues out of this. Or maybe you're not even that far down the road, but the writing is on the wall that you've got a really serious injury that is going to cause you a lifelong problem. Either way, one of those two scenarios, you're done, you're done getting medical treatment, done missing work. Or again, it's evident that you're going to be stuck with this for life or you've been treating for a long time and you're not getting better. One of those two scenarios is basically the point at which it's time to see what can get done with the insurance company. So it's time to submit your claim to the insurance company. So you got to think about this. So why is it that you submit a claim to the insurance company? Well, it's obviously to get a settlement and it has to be done at some point. There are limitations in place that if you don't get it done, settled, file a lawsuit, whatever it looks like, you don't get that done within a certain amount of time, then you're forever barred from making your claim. So you can't let things just hang out forever. Now in Missouri, you have five years to make your claim five years from the date of the accident over on the Kansas side, you have two years and it's even a little trickier than that. Um, you have to have your lawsuit on file in Kansas. You have to have the at fault driver, the defendant, you have to have them 
served with the legal papers. So you got to be careful about that. But you you have time, but you don't have time. So that's why at some point, if you're going to try to get it resolved with the insurance company. You've got to get that ball rolling. But again, on the other side, you got to make sure the time is right and you know what all is coming out of this accident and your injuries and things like that. So how do you do that? Well, you have to get medical records, medical bills. You have to get lost wage information, all of that over to the insurance company. They have to know what you went through. They have to know what you're going through. If there's more uh, medical treatment in your future, they're going to need to hear that from a medical professional. Um, They've got to get a good snapshot of everything going on with you coming out of this accident. So you need to put that together for them. Now, the insurance company probably early on is going to send you a medical authorization so that they can get your records. They can get your medical bills. But the problem with signing their documents is they they don't limit those. So if you give them a blanket medical authorization, they can go to any provider for any amount of time and get your records of treatment. So for example, not only, well, here's the thing. So not only are you just opening up your entire medical history to this insurance company for things that don't even have any relationship to this accident, but you also potentially give them the ability to argue about something in your past relating to what's being claimed out of this accident. And, you know, they would love nothing better, the insurance company, to find something from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it may be, to hang their hat on to argue now that you should not get fully compensated for injuries you have because of whatever this was in your past. For example, I've got uh, a client who literally 20 years ago was in an accident and he hurt his shoulder and he had to have shoulder surgery. Okay. So 20 years ago, he has, has all this he's done. He's been going along just fine. He's been at work. Uh, He's an electrician and he has another accident. And it's actually while he's on the job, uh, he's driving as an electrician, he's driving between jobs and he gets blasted by another vehicle and he injures this shoulder. And guess what? Insurance companies want to talk about what happened 20 years ago. And this poor guy hadn't had one problem for 20 years till this significant collision. And now, oh no, no, we're going to, we're going to deny that the problems that he's having now are related to this significant collision because of what happened 20 years ago. So if you sign their authorization, you open up your world to this insurance company and 
you give them every opportunity to mess with you, mess with your claim, deny the claim, significantly reduce the value of the claim, whatever it may be. And you don't have to give them an authorization. You can provide them with the medical yourself. Um, You just have to go get the records and the bills and those things. And you got to know what kind of billing they want to have. You can't send them the billing that you get in the mail that shows some outstanding balance. They want to see the billing that was generated by the hospital or by the doctor, by the physical therapist, by the imaging place with uh, uh, codes, diagnostic codes. Um, Those codes show what the treatment, what the procedure was, and then insurance companies can figure out if this is related to the type of injury that you're claiming happened. So you've got to get them the right kind of information in the first place. And again, you're going to want to do that on your own and not through a blanket authorization from them. You also, again, you you can't just tell an insurance company, right? Hey, I missed two weeks of work. That's not going to fly. You're going to have to get some kind of verification from your employer that you missed that work. You're going to need to show the insurance company, this is really what I make an hour. So when I say that I missed 40 hours of work or 80 hours of work, 120 hours of work, get the idea. This is what that looks like when you do the math. And, you know, you also got to know things like, Uh, If what if the auto insurance company comes back or what if you have it in your head that, well, I use sick leave. So I actually didn't miss any money out of this. I was off for two weeks, but I have sick leave. So I got paid. But can you make a claim for lost wages? Yes, you can. Because you used a benefit that you have through your employer because of somebody else's fault. So that's not fair, right? I mean, you want to be able to use that benefit if you get sick, not because you were injured because of somebody else's doing. So you can make the claim for the time missed from work, but you've got to have the right information going to the insurance company or they're going to continue to tell you, no, 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 it's not going to work. We're not going to pay you for those lost wages because that. What you're sending us, what you're telling us doesn't cut it. Then they, you know, things you got to know about too is especially, you know, to really get the true value of a claim, you've got to tell them the things, how this affected you, right? So it's one thing for them to see medical records, medical bills, um, the time off work, but they need to know that for whatever amount of time, you weren't able to do the dishes at home because you your arm was in a cast. Um, you weren't able to brush your hair. Um, I literally, just before I got on this podcast, was talking to a lady uh, who had a, a wrist injury. And, you know, she said, yeah, I haven't been able to bow hunt. Okay, well, bow hunting's not for everybody, but for her, It's something she really likes to do. And she had an injured wrist and couldn't do it. 
And she is the one that just gave me the idea about brushing hair because she said, I haven't been able to brush my daughter's hair. I haven't been able to brush my own hair. So it's just those little things like that, right? How does an injury affect you daily? Because at the end of the day, that's where the value is. I mean, that is the true harm and the true loss that comes out of an injury. And if you don't communicate that well, that is going to mean you're leaving money on the table. Because the insurance company, you know, the only thing they understand, they, they of course, don't give a flip about you and what you've gone through. But they do understand what you're going to put out there if it gets to the next level, if it gets to a lawsuit, what you're going to be saying in a deposition, what you're going to be telling a jury during a trial, what they're going to hear from you as to what and how this injury affected your daily living. And even more importantly is if it's still affecting you. Again, a permanent injury is truly what drives um, the bigger value on an insurance injury claim. And God forbid you find yourself in that situation with that kind of a serious injury, but those are the ones that we get a lot of money for people when, I mean, just imagine, right? Somebody's in a wheelchair now, or again, somebody died and there's a family left behind. Those are the tough ones. And those are the ones that carry a large economic value in the injury claim process. So if you go backwards from there, from that most significant injury, you know, you got to look at, there's obviously a large spectrum, um, but a broken arm that had to be surgically repaired, that's kind of a big deal. That's going to affect a lot of things in everyday life for somebody. Back pain, there's nothing worse than back pain. I personally have experienced back pain on multiple occasions. It's, it's debilitating. And if you experience back pain out of an accident, that's an injury, that could wreck your life. And it's usually something that doesn't want to go away or can flare up multiple times. And so these are the things that when you're submitting a claim to an insurance company, you really got to communicate that well and make sure they know all of the issues you've had. So, you know, you got to look at why is it that going alone, going on your own to try to resolve this uh, with an insurance company is not a great idea. Okay, so there is a reason I have a job. And that reason, and there's a reason, by the way, you see a lot of personal injury lawyers out there, right? I think I may have talked about that on a prior episode. There's a lot of personal injury lawyers, which tells you this. There's a lot of accidents happening. I know we hear a lot about too many injury lawyers, too many frivolous lawsuits and all that stuff. But at the, the end of the day, there's too many accidents. There are accidents every day. It's, it's unbelievable. How many car accidents, how many work injuries, how many people fall over dangerous conditions, you name it. There's just so many different ways people get hurt. And it's because of the negligence of somebody else. 
that's obviously what we're dealing with. And there's just a ton of those types of accidents. And so the reason I have a job is because a person on their own does not really fully understand the value, the economic value, the money value of a injury claim. I get people, they they call me and they tell me they've been Googling and, oh, it, you know, it says for a concussion in Missouri, you know, this is, this should be the value of the claim. And so I, I so I get on Google and I Google that and I see like some lawyer or some resource has come up with some number, some range on the value of a concussion for settlement. And I'm scratching my head saying, how in the world did that even happen? Because for one, your particular concussion, who knows what that looked like for you, right? Did you have to spend five months in a dark room for the majority of each day and not be on a phone, not have any kind of stimulus like a TV, not able to read, no loud sounds, again, avoiding lights or did you have on the other end you had a headache um but you were able to function you were able to be out in the world you were able to utilize your phone or you know on the most dramatic side right were you in the hospital unable to communicate um left with permanent conditions where you've lost the ability to function um, yeah, so what's the value of a concussion? Well, again, there's a huge, huge spectrum. And for somebody to come up with just some random range is is not really accurate. You have to know what juries are actually doing in this area. Like, so when when these kinds of cases are getting tried to a jury of 12 people, what how is it coming out? What kind of dollar figures are they putting on these? Got to know that. So Googling that is probably not a very good way to get a real handle on the value of a claim. Or I also get the, well, I was talking to friends. I was talking to friends. Oh, and they know, you know, I've got a friend who knew somebody and they got X amount for this kind of an injury. Really? Really? That's what we're going to go off of is what some friend got? Yikes. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you that friend, the friend of a friend, right? Let's get into the specifics. So how did the accident happen to begin with? That's probably a good start. What kind of property damage was involved? Okay. So did they go to uh, the hospital right away? Were they taken by ambulance? Um, So then after that, what did their treatment look like? What kind of residual problems did they have when it was all done? Oh, oh, you don't know any of that. You just know friend had a concussion and this was it. Okay. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to really go off of that as my true um, barometer as to the value of my claim, my specific injury claim. Uh, But again, I, I get people that tell me these things. I get people that tell me, well, I heard that you're supposed to get three times the value of your medical bills. Three times the value of medical bills, that, that's where it should settle. Okay, here's the questions that go along with that. First off, where did you hear that? Maybe 
maybe back in the 80s. Somehow that was some kind of a formula. I can tell you I've been a lawyer uh, since 1996, and that has not been the way we have valued personal injury claims. So the problem with that, and again, I do hear that, right? Because I think people can find that online, maybe hear that from people as, oh, yeah, you're supposed to get X amount times your medical bills for settlement. Um, the problem with that is, first off, medical bills have gone crazy. So the, the, the inflation on medical bills has outpaced regular inflation. So even if once upon a time insurance companies were going to somehow base their settlement values on a multiple of your medical bills, they sure in the heck ain't doing that now is you can go to an emergency room and you can have a couple CAT scans and you can walk out of there with a $25,000 bill. And if that's the only treatment you ever have is getting seen and evaluated at the uh, emergency room and six months down the road, you're fine and you never had another doctor look at you. If you think they're going to pay you $75,000, three times the amount of your $25,000 emergency room bill, got another thing coming. It's not going to happen. It's not how it works. Juries are not going to take a look at you and go, oh, you went to the emergency room and got checked out. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're getting 75 grand. Heck yes. For really no injury. It's not how it works. Here's the other problem with that. The law changed in Missouri. And now if this gets in front of a jury, you are basically able to submit what was paid or what is owed on your medical bills. So it's not about what was charged. So for example, let's go back to that emergency room bill. Let's say the bill was $25,000. If it ran through health insurance and health insurance wrote off um, $20,000 of that bill and either and say they paid $5,000 of it or the outstanding balance after they wrote off 20 was $5,000. Well, right now, a jury is going to hear that the amount paid or owed on the bill was $5,000. So they're not going to really care that the initial charge was twenty five grand because that's not really what you were obligated on the bill. So you can't go off of, oh, yeah, bill was twenty five grand. I'm supposed to get three times that amount. Not going to happen. See, these are the problems people run into. When they're trying to come up with, oh, I can handle this on my own. I can deal with the insurance company. Because as soon as you start throwing out stuff like that, the insurance company is essentially going to laugh at you. Whether they actually laugh at you, I don't know. But they're going to realize, no, you have no clue. You have no idea what you're talking about. And they know who's in control. They're in control. Um, and the other problem is, you know, I also get people are, that are calling around to lawyers, right? So I get people that call me and they're they're just trying to get a handle on what the value of the claim is so they can handle it on their own. Well, the problem with that is, is if you're talking to lawyers and we kind of get the idea that you're you're shopping, shopping around for lawyers, right? You're, or even better yet, you're really just shopping for information. You just want us to give you uh, help, but you want to do it on your own. We're probably not really going to give you the clarity that 
you're looking for. Again, I'm here on this podcast. I'm really happy to give you information that I can give you to help you. The problem is, as you're hopefully seeing from me talking right now, running through with you these issues, as a lawyer, without knowing your specific situation, your specific injury, your specific treatment, your specific end result, what you're still dealing with, there is no way that I could help you with your specific claim, right? I can tell you all the things that you need to be doing to make sure that you don't take um, or make missteps. But at the end of the day, when the rubber hits the road and it's time to settle your claim, there's no way I could sit here and give you all the pointers that would help you actually get the right value for your claim. That's why, again, I have a job. Um, I can, again, I can give you this huge overview on all the things that hopefully you're doing so that you don't screw things up. But at the end of the day, to truly maximize the value of your injury claim, here's the self-serving statement. You probably do need an injury lawyer. Only the minor, the, the most minor of injuries. Again, you went to an emergency room or you even better yet, you went and got checked out by your primary care doctor and that was it. You never had another visit, another treatment. It's been six months. Clearly, you're fine. This was not a huge event in your life. You didn't miss any work. Go settle that with the insurance company. Get it done. You don't need a lawyer. A lawyer can't benefit you there. But if it's anything more than that, you got to start really considering. I know. I, I mean, I know how it is. You're thinking, man, I hate to pay a lawyer. And, you know, we do obviously charge for our services. But there's a reason for that, because at the end of the day, you know, usually, usually you're walking away with three, four, five, ten times the amount you would on your own, um, even after we get paid. So and I think I kind of got off track there. But, yeah, if you're calling around to lawyers trying to get an idea of the value of your claim, you're not going to get a good value because you're going to get one of two things. You're either going to get lawyers that just aren't going to be very helpful to whatever extent. I mean, they can't because they don't know all the circumstances of your claim and they're not going to take the time. I mean, again, we, we do have jobs. We, we do work. And the way we get paid is by people engaging us as their lawyers. And then we are happy to get all the information, take the time to help our clients. But you're either going to get somebody that, you know, isn't really going to give you any information or you're going to get the lawyers that are telling you, you know, with them. Oh, yeah, this is what you're going to get. And whether or not that's true is another story, because there are lawyers out there that just want to tell people, man, we can get you a lot of money. I mean, look at these commercials you see for personal injury lawyers. What do they do? They throw out big results they've had. Right. Oh, yeah. I got 300,000. I got a million. I got $750,000. And that, you know, they're, they're hoping that people see those numbers and they're like, oh man, I got to call this lawyer because they're going to give me big money on my claim. Well, here's the thing a vast majority of injury claims are not six figure claims. They're not. I don't care what you hear from 
personal injury lawyer ads. I don't care what you hear from lawmakers that say there's too many frivolous lawsuits. These these jury verdicts are out of control. It, they're people are getting way too much money for these injury claims. It's not true. It's not true because here's why it's not happening. If it was happening like that, there wouldn't be so many personal injury lawyers because that would mean insurance companies are overpaying people. And then if they were overpaying people, there would be no reason to have injury lawyers. I mean, think about this. (sighs) So just keep in mind, it's hard for you as an individual to have a good handle on what you should truly be getting on your injury claim. And you got to think about this. If you're trying to negotiate with an uh, insurance company on an injury claim, who holds the power here? Who holds the power? Well, who holds the checkbook? The insurance company. The insurance company has the money. They've got the time. Do you? You miss that work. That's put you behind on bills. You've got medical bills that are hanging out there because of this. You've got rent due. you got whatever it is. So who's under pressure here to wrap this up sooner rather than later? You are. They know it. They know it. And they have the power. And guess what? They also have the knowledge because they know the value of these claims. So they know what they are going to have to pay If it's getting done correctly, if it's getting done with a lawyer, they know what they're going to have to pay if they can sneak it from you. So keep this in mind. They want to drag it out. Insurance companies, they love nothing more than to take the time because they know you're under pressure. And the longer that drags out, then the longer, or excuse me, the quicker, actually, you're ready to get it done. Take what they're willing to offer. So just remember, insurance companies, they have the power. And you, there's no way you as an individual can level that, level that power uh, distribution because you can't sue them. You can't sue them on your own. That's what a lawyer does. So they know. They know who's got the power. You know, I mean, the perfect example, I had a client, right, got a $3,000 offer. And basically... It was all the, all the arguments, right? The insurance company said, look, you had an emergency room visit. You followed up with your doctor. Your doctor put you through some physical therapy. All of this unfolded. You missed, you know, a week of work, but then you were able to kind of get back to work. Your health insurance paid your medical bills. You were out of pocket, you know, X amount. So basically here's $3,000 to wrap it up. That, that compensates you basically. Uh, for having to go through this, for your pain and suffering. And, you know, it'll give you a little bit of money to pay the outstanding balances. Um, There you go. Boom, you're done. Thank goodness she didn't just take the money. She called us. She went ahead. She signed up as our client. We got the we got involved. You know, one of the things that we do right away is we try to figure out what the uh, insurance policy limits are on the on the person that caused the accident and the insurance company doesn't have to disclose that outside of a lawsuit but we've got ways and we figured out pretty quickly that this other driver was most likely rolling around with the state minimum twenty five thousand dollars 
And so we got it all put together with all the appropriate documentation. And we put in a nice uh, summary from our client of all the problems that she went through, the things that were still bothering her. And guess what? We got the $25,000 policy limits offered and we got it resolved for her. So she went from a pretty quick time, $3,000 offer to $25,000. So even after paying us, she was uh, very, very, very far ahead of where she would have been on her own. But again, insurance companies, they steal claims every day from people that are ready to just get it done and think, oh my gosh, if I get a lawyer involved, it's going to drag it out. I'm going to pay them, all these things. And it's just not true. It's just not true. But that's what the insurance company is sure hoping is that you fall into that belief that you can work it out with them. Listen, they're there. That's their job to pay the claim, take care of you. And again, you might get this really nice insurance adjuster and you're thinking, yeah, it's been great. It's just been really nice, really helpful. She's going to treat me right. She's going to treat me fair. Nope, it's not true. So there it is in a nutshell, the claims process. You've got to put your stuff together the right way. You've got to know what you're dealing with. And you, again, hopefully haven't made any mistakes before this. Hopefully you don't make any mistakes during this. And on the next episode, we're going to talk about what happens if you don't get it settled out of court, right? What does that even mean? Well, we'll talk about it on the next one. So thanks for joining. I hope you found this helpful and I'll see you on the next episode of the Injury Law Podcast.